This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas Vos Chanan 5782. Guys, we're going to talk about the Pasuk Parak Zion. Pasuk Zion. Parak Zion, Pasuk Zion. Pasuk says, Lo mi rubcha mi kolaam It is not because you are more than any other nation. You, have, you are the majority over every other nation, and that's why Hashem loves you. Vayivchar vechem, that He has chosen you. Because you are really the least amount of all the nations. You are the smallest of all the nations. The Rashi in Bamidbor, it's not over here, Bamidbor, Chofches Lamidvav. Parshish Pinchas says, you are literally smaller than all the nations. What does that mean? We know that there are 70 nations in the world. There are 57 families mentioned in Klau Yisrael in Parshish Pinchas, as well as 8 families from Shevet Levi. So 57 plus 8 is 65. 65 families is less than the total 70 nations of the world. So you get it? You're, you're less than all the other Amim. Your families are different. And that's why it says, Hama'at. Hama'at Mikol Amim is Hey Ma'at. You are five less than all the other nations of the world. All the other nations are 70 or 65. 70 minus 65 is five. And that's Hey Ma'at. And that's the idea behind it. The Balaturim brings this as well. Rashi and the Balaturim both bring the exact same thing. Rechaim Paltiel says, the other nations are known as Le'umim. Le'umim is the name for that, the nations, right, which starts with the letter Lamed, the biggest of all the letters, while B'nai Yisrael starts with a Yud, obviously with a Yud, being the smallest of all the letters, and that's the hint here that we're always going to be considered small in compared to the other nations of the world. Now, the Rokeach says the missing five, the reason why there's missing five is because of the Benos Tzlafchad. Had the daughters of Tzlafchad been boys, had they been boys, each one of them would have had a family named after them, and that would have been the other five, five daughters, five sons, and that would have been 70 altogether. But because those women wouldn't be counted as a regular family, therefore missing out. But in another way, says the Rokeach, at least we have something. 65 is the gematri of Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, that name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is being our master. So even though we don't have the 70 of the 70 nations of the world, because we're missing those five because of Benoslavad, but we are compared to HaKadosh Baruch we have that Adnus that works over there as well. The Rabbeinu Yoel learns the entire Pesach differently. He says, Ki ata, what's the wording? Ki hama'at mi kol ha'amim. He says the word mi kol comes from the word mechala. Mechala means to destroy. That you're going to destroy, even though you're a small nation, you'll be able to destroy all the big nations. Those who remember what we talked about last week with the Kaftorim being these small people, being able to defeat the huge Anakim, the giants, Right, that were there as well. That idea of the ma'at being able to destroy the bigger one, that's the idea the Rebbe Yol says over here. Now, the Chassam Sofer, in his Drushos on page 328 in sorry, he explains a huge amount of Musr here. Remember, Sefer Dvarim is a Sefer of Musr. There's a ton of Musr that happens in the Sefer, and there's tons of stuff that are happening behind the scenes. What's the Musr here in saying, B'nai Yisrael, you are the least of all the nations, and yet Hashem still loves you? He says, although the other nations equal 70 and we're only 65 families, we were told to destroy the seven nations of Canaan. Now think about that for a second. Now the Girgashi ran away. We didn't even have a chance to destroy them. They ran away. So they weren't there. But we still should have destroyed six of the nations of Canaan. 70 minus 6 would have been 64. 
had they destroyed the Chiti, Chivi, Amori, Prizi, Yavusi, and Kenani like they were supposed to, then you would be the majority of all the nations. It wouldn't be 70 versus 65. It would be 65 to 64. Again, not including the Yergoshi, it would have been 65 to 64. Had you done that, everything would have been fine. Then you would have been perfectly good and everything would have been perfect, right? 64, by the way, is the Gematria of Din. 65 the Gematria of Aleph, Dal, Nun, Yud. Had you only destroyed them, then everything would have been great and you would have been the robe of all the Amim. You would have been that majority out there, even though numerically, obviously, the numbers of B'nai Israel would have still been less than all the other people of the world, but nation-wise, it would have been a little bit different. Because we didn't do that, therefore being punished. Ki atem hama'at mikol amim. You are less than all those nations because you never ended up destroying those six nations. You left remnants of them. There are remnants of the Yavusi, of the Kenani, of the, the Mori, the Prizi, the Chiti, and the Chivi. And that's why we're being punished. And that's the idea behind it, what Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to tell them. Now, the Rosh Pam wonders, what were B'nai Yisrael thinking up until now? Were they honestly thinking that if we had more people, God would love us more? Is that the reason why God loves anyone? Because they're majority, they are the majority nation? And Moshe Rabbeinu had to tell them, nope, that's not it. That's not it. It's really because of the Avos HaKadoshim, which is the next Pasuk. Your Skos Avos and the fact that you're connected to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, that's why Hashem loves you. But who was thinking this way? Who in the world is Moshe Rabbeinu trying to get away from that he's saying, Lo mirubcha mikola amim. It's not because you're the majority more than the other nations. What in the world was going on? So he suggests that they had, they had just been told that they would defeat the seven nations of Canaan they might think that they were more numerous than them. That's how the Rashbam puts it. Maybe they're not more numerous than all the nations throughout the world. Obviously, there were more other nations than there were B'nai Yisrael. But perhaps each one of those nations of Kenani, Amori, Prizi, Yavusi, Chiti, and Chivi, the Girgashi, remember, are gone, they had more people than them. And that's the reason why they're going to be able to defeat those nations of Canaan. Because they're the majority against them. Maybe it's going to be a natural war. Maybe they won't need HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Chas Shalom. Maybe they'll be able to fight in that way. And says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no, 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 no. Lo mirubcha mikolamim. Not because you're greater and majority, in, I guess, in your numbers than any of those nations of Canaan. You're going to beat the nations of Canaan because I want you to because you're related to the Avos. That's how you're going to be able to do it. The Das Zekenim, the Tur and the Chizkuni all say the exact same thing, that a Kaddish Baruch will keep the promise that he gave to the Avos, that even though you're less than every single one of these individual nations of Canaan, you'll still be able to defeat them without a problem and everything will work out well. Shalom, yeah. Be, it's really from the context. It's from the context of all Perak Zion, right? We're already talking about the nations that are out there in Eretz Canaan, and then it says Lo Amin. He's not talking about the nations outside of Eretz Canaan. He's talking about these nations in Canaan. That Hashem desires you to defeat those nations and destroy those nations. That Hashem has chosen you, rather, because you actually are less than each one of those nations, but rather because of the Avos. Why do you think that Hashem would want them to beat them? It should have no matter if Hashem wanted to defeat them because they're more numerous, but you know how we say Hashem wants them to beat them because they're more numerous. 
Okay, oh, in other words, what the people were thinking, again, we're not talking about why Hashem would have wanted them to win if they were more numerous. It's what were the people thinking that Moshe was trying to take away from them. What were they thinking that Moshe was like, that's not it, it's not that. Why would they think that way? And they said to themselves, maybe we're more numerous and therefore we'll be able to defeat them naturally. That's the reason why. To that, Hashem said, but you're not. You're not more numerous than them. Each one of those nations happen to be bigger than you. So why are you going to defeat those nations? Because those nations, or I should say you, you're related to the Avosakadosha. That's the idea behind it. So that does answer the question. That's a perfect answer to that question. So that's Rashbam and those Balitosos. Right? And the Oznayim Latorah is the one that says that they were actually bigger, etc. The Al Kashimoni says that in Tufta Dalid. The Orachim Akadosh also says that literally, you're not more than them, not even equal to them quantitatively. You are just greater than them because of the Schosavos, and that's that. Now, the Kliakar asks the exact same question, but he adds on a couple things. He says, the wording of this Pusik is really weird. Hashem doesn't love you because you're a lot of people, He loves you because He loves you. It's really weird in the next Pasuk. Rather, Hashem loves you. But it doesn't really explain why he loves them, says the Kliakr. That's a strange thing to be able to say. It's a nice thing to say to a little kid, why does God, Daddy love you? Daddy loves you because he loves you. It's cute. That's a good children's book. There should be a children's book like that. He loves you because he loves you. But that doesn't make any sense within the context of a Pasuk, which seems to be asking a question and answering with that question. Why does he love you? Because he loves you. That's the second question he says. And the third thing he asks is, what's the difference between Cheshek, Choshak Hashem Bochem, and Bachar, Bechira, Vayivchar Bechem? What's the difference between Bechira, cho- choosing, and Cheshek, desiring? What's the difference between those two? So he says the following. He says, B'nai Yisrael, as a nation, we're not completely perfect. We obviously have our problems. We're a stiff-necked people. We're hard to convince. Even when we're convinced of something, we still can convince ourselves otherwise. That's the way we are as B'nai Yisrael. We know that, that we're called the Azim of the Umos, the brazen ones of all the different nations, the Gemara and Roshana Dafkafei. So that's the way that we are. We still are better than any nation out there. Says the Kliakr. We still, in comparison... Even with our stiff-neckedness, even the terrible things that we've done, the Egel Azov, the Maraglim, all the complaints that we had in the Midbor, we were still a greater nation and are a greater nation than all the other nations in the world. That's how the Kliyakar puts it. He says, therefore, we have more merits than them and less sins than them. Even though they have Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach and we have 613, you could still say that B'nai Yisrael does more mitzvos and does less Averos than all of the other nations in the world. One might think that's why Hashem loves us. That's the rove, that we have more mitzvos, less Averos. Maybe that's why God loves us. God loves us because of all the great things we do and all the fact that we stay away from so many terrible things. Maybe that's why. And that's what the Pasuk is telling us. Lo merubchem It's not talking about the amount of people. It's not because you have more mitzvos than any other nation. That's not why Hashem chose you. Even if you had less than all the other nations, even if you would be less and you do less mitzvahs and you had less things than them, still Hashem loves you because of the avos. That's the idea behind it. The love that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has for us is nothing to do with us. It doesn't have to do with what we do. It's already there. The, the fact that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were able to pull down that Avas Hashem 
and use it for their nation forever and ever means that no matter what we do, we can't be traded. We can't be brought down. We can't be knocked down, says the Kliyakar. It has nothing to do with you at the end of the day. Obviously, we have to try hard and we have to do everything we can in order to gain a bigger portion and not be punished. But that's not why HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you. Hashem loves you because He already loved you. Because He's loved you since the time of the Avos. It's already been there from beforehand, and that's the idea behind it. That's a really, really crazy shot from the Kliyakar. And the truth is, the Ksav Sofer, the Ksav Sofer's son, says the exact same idea. Don't think that you're greater in Milas. You're a greater person. That's Mirup Chamikolam, that you're so much greater. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you. Even if that were true, which we can't guarantee, that's not why. Because in fact, it might be the opposite. Think about it as if you guys are sitting in my palace while everybody else is sitting outside of my palace. B'nai Yisrael know what's true, and yet they do chatoyim. They don't know what's true, and yet their sins are not magnified that way. So in fact, says the Kaddish Baruch Hu, one sin of yours might be 20 times worse than Yenem's sin, the person who's sinning outside of the nation of Eretz Yisrael, of B'nai Yisrael. That's the idea behind it. Ki atem hama'at, the truth is, you guys are less than them. You guys actually have less mitzvos, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's how the Ksav Silver puts it. In Eicha Rabba, Perak Aleph, Halacha Lamed Vav, Lamed Zion, he says, Umo sa'olam chotim ve'inam kalam. They could sin, but they don't get destroyed for it because they don't mean it. They have no idea who God is. Avalanachnu, but we chotim velokim. We sin, and we get punished immediately. Why? Because we know, and we do it anyway. That's the idea behind it. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, so that's, again, not why. It's not because you have more, more mitzvot and less sins. You actually don't. You don't, says the Ksav Sofer. That's, by the way, that's not what the Kliyakr says. The Kliyakr says you do, but nonetheless, that's not why. The way the Ksav Sofer says is you're wrong, but Hashem loves you anyway because you're part of the Avos. That's a crazy idea. Dave, you were going to ask something before? Yeah. Lomi Rubchem Mikola Amen doesn't sound like. You don't go with the. We, you're, not because you are with the majority, you're with the minority, meaning that, that you, question, you question things, you're not like a sheep. I definitely hear you. The shot is true, but I don't like it in the wording. The wording of the Pasuk is not because you are the rove of all the nations, not that you go with the rove. I don't like the wording. If that's it, I, I would say it's not in the wording. Yeah, I agree with the concept. Conceptually, totally agree. It's because you don't go with the majority. You're willing to be the minority. I totally agree with that. I don't think that's that's correct wording in the Pasuk. I just don't think that fits. I don't understand this, this whole concept like comparison between us and the Goyim. Like, they have Shemesh Mitzvah they know. One of them is to to know that there's a God. Right. I mean, so, the bottom line is they are supposed to know that they're required to know that and they're held high and they don't know that. Agreed. Just like we are. Right. And in fact, maybe it's more important. Right, but we have so, again, that's the whole point. They're punished for not doing it because seemingly their chatoyim are more than ours. Right? That's what the Kliyaka was saying. We believe, at least believe in God, they don't. But, they, but we don't, some of us. Well, even so, it's I'm less so by talking. us percentage wise than it is by them. That's the concept. What do you mean? You, if anything, you just have the Ishmaelim. You only have the Ishmaelim. The Christians are Hovdeh Vodazara. The Hindus are Hovdeh Vodazara. What do you mean questionable? It's 100%. We pask in that way. 
questionable. You have five billion people who are Ovdia Vodazar in the world. They're all, they're all Ovdia Vodazar. There is no difference. There is absolutely no difference. You cannot walk into a church sanctuary and do anything in there. That's because they're Ovdia Vodazar. But there's ones that don't have any symbolism. It doesn't matter. It has nothing with symbolism. It's Shituv. Once they equate God to something else in some other way, even with the toast on Bezim and Aleph in Bechorah slash Avodah and that Ramah, that we, it's clear we pask in Lahawaka that Christianity is Ovdeh Avodah whether we like it or not. And that's the reason why we cannot do anything in their sanctuaries. It's every section, every sect. There is not one part of Christianity that's not like that. Again, that's based on Tosvos over there, but it's a mistaken reading, and there's probably editors, censors that had to do with that. The Ramah also, it's a, it's a total mistake. We pask in Lalacha, according to everyone, it's Mamish Lakuli Alma, that it's Avodazara, the Christianity is Avodazara. The only question is Arabs. Are Arabs considered Ovdi Avodazara? There's a diak in the Rambam that people make in Hilchas Avodazara. It's a weird one. It's also a really strange diak in the Minina Mitzvos, right? But either way, let's assume they're not. Either way, the majority is Ovdi Avodazara. Or they don't believe in anything, which is worse, right? So we're going to be that way. But again, that's a big one. Yeah. So what, you know what I'm saying? Like that—that's the idea behind it. And then we go on. The Sam Silver says something along these lines in Torah's Moshe. He says we know that items are only expensive because they're few in number. Why is gold more expensive than silver? Why? Why is gold more expensive than silver? Why are diamonds more expensive than rubies? That's already a question of itself. That's because, okay, massive conspiracy with diamonds. Okay, th- that's true. But regardless, why is it? Why is that? And I know, I'm not going to find, let's not go into diamonds. Let's go into, I don't know, maybe opals, whatever it is. But gold and silver, but, but it's because, right, it's supply. Gold is f- less frequently found than silver, right? So therefore, gold is more expensive, and that makes a lot of sense. In theory, the same thing is true by diamonds. I think I even wrote in the sheet, by the way, in theory. I think I wrote that diamonds are less common than rubies in theory, right? And that's that. Therefore, you could have a thousand barns filled with grain, and it's still not worth a diamond that could fit inside a person's pocket. Everybody agrees with that, right? Everybody agrees that a diamond would be worth everything like that. Imagine someone having a lot of diamonds. Wouldn't that be amazing? That guy with a lot of diamonds would make him filthy rich, even though it's so few in number compared to the guy who's got 150 silos filled with grain. Silos, an entire silo filled with grain. But nonetheless, the pocket full of diamonds is way more money than those silos filled with grain. Right? That, that's the concept behind it. That's what the Pasuk means, says the Chassam Sofer. B'nai Yisrael, individually and as a whole, are filled with unbelievably special people each one being more expensive and chashuv than other nations, entire nations even. We have diamonds in the rough. Those diamonds are right there. We may be the ma'at, obviously numbers-wise in comparison to all the nations of the world, but there's so much special things that that are going on here that taking those special diamonds we all of a sudden become the rove mikola amim. Says the Chassam Sofer. Maybe what it means is, lo mirubcha mikola amim. Don't think that you're diamonds. And if you're diamonds, you're so much greater than all the nations of the world. They're, the, they're that. Says the Kodesh Baruch Hu. No. It's not it. It's because of your forefathers. That's the idea behind it. Not for anything else. That's a really good, it's just a great muscle. I like the imagery that the Chassam Sofer uses to be able to pull that up, to be able to say it's like a diamond itself. Now the Ramban says something a little bit different, and I kind of hear it. You know, there is a Havamina 
that having more would make you greater. We have a concept. It's called the Rav Am Hadras Melech. The more people you have, it's the beauty of the king. So maybe the king wants to have a big entourage. So the nation that he loves the most will be the nation that is the biggest. China, therefore, would be the most beloved by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Maybe it's Barav Amhadras Melech. Maybe that's exactly what it is. That's why a Kaddish Baruch Hu says, not so. A real king doesn't need people to prove his greatness. A real king does not need a huge entourage to prove to other people that he's Chashu. Right? A real king. It's, I don't want to say it this way. Like, it sounds like thuggish, and I don't mean to say it this way. But, like, it's the guys who first enter the NBA who need an entourage to show that they're Chashu. Once a guy has been in the NBA for like 20 years, he could care less. Like all the people are like following him. He's like, I guess they're like remoras, you know, st- stuck onto a shark, just taking off the bacteria from him. That's really what those guys are. Once he becomes Khashiv enough, he could care less. I don't need people with me. I don't need people around me. Once you become Khashiv enough, you don't need them. That's when the people automatic. So at first, you're paying them to be with you. And eventually, you just have a bunch of followers and you're perfectly fine if there's nobody around you. That's what it means over here. Says the Ramban, the Rav Amhadras Melech was the Havamina. Maybe the, sh- sh- the sign of a great king is his huge entourage. Kamash Malan says the Pasuk, that doesn't show you the greatness of a king. That shows you the greatness of his, of his insecurities, of his self-consciousness, what he's missing. The Rabbeinu Bechaya takes it in a different direction based on what the Ramban said. You must be more than any other nation. Because Moshe Rabbeinu just blessed you that you're going to be like the Koch Shamayim. You're going to have the stars in the sky, the sand of the sea. You're going to be like the dirt right in different places. We know we're going to be rove. We're going to have so many people. So clearly, right, if we were like this small, tiny little nation, why would he have said that? After all, let's look at B'nai Yisrael right now. They had gone from a nation of 70 to a nation of 600,000 men between the ages of 20 and 60, not including women, not including children, and that maybe after four-fifths of them died when they left Mitzrayim. That's a crazy number. In 210 years, they went from 70, and I grant you, 70 may really be like 150 or 200 because it's not including the wives and the other kids and it's just those 70. But either way, 70 people or maybe 150 people turned into a massive nation of possibly 15 million in 200 years. That is a crazy number. If those numbers keep going up exponentially, then you will be the rove of all the nations. That is a true statement. If you would say, well, B'nai Yisrael is not the rove of all the nations, we should have been. We had a ton of people. Take away the four-fifths that died in Mitzrayim. Let's say that wasn't meant to be pshat. Let's say that was just a drush. We don't know. But let's say they only left with three million people from Mitzrayim. That is unbelievably huge. That's still huge coming from 150. And then to go up and up and up like that, right? you'd assume, if not for the people that died in the Midbor, who knows how many people actually entered Eretz Yisrael? Who knows? Maybe they were a massive nation at that time. That's how the Rabbeinu Bechayi kind of looks at it and says, maybe that's exactly it. Maybe their numbers prove that God loves them. They were huge. They did get huge. In Mitzrayim, they got huge. So maybe that proves that that's that. Either way, regardless, that's the idea. So yeah. I, I'm not even counting the Erev The Erev by the way, according to the Mechilta in Shmos, said there's a machlokis. It's either there were 1.2 million, 1.4 million, or 1.6 million Erev I'm, I'm not even including them. 
That number is I mean, it's just crazy. But to think that they're, aside from the three million people, there's another million people coming out with them from the era, even without them, they're crazy big. That's the craziness behind it. I'm sorry? We, we know that 600, or according to Tosos, 585,000 hits Tubov, right? So we've got to remind that the last 15,000 survived today. That's Tosos and Baba Vasa, Kof Chafalov. So the last 15,000 survived. So 585,000 died for sure. How many women died? We have no idea. How many little kids died? We have no idea. How many older people died? We have no idea. But from 20 to 60, 585,000 people died over that period of 39 years. Did everybody else survive? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. That means that the nation really would have been huge, especially if they would have kept having kids throughout the midbore. But I have no numbers. I have absolutely no numbers to be able to support or go up against anything I say. So I don't know. There are no numbers given as to how many people entered Eretz Yisrael when they crossed over the Jordan River. That's that. Now, there are others that Seda Lederich tries to go up against the Ramban. Anybody can look at the Seda Lederich inside. He, goes up, he gives a couple reasons why the Ramban might be wrong or whatever it is. But that Gionos Shuni is the one that points this all out. That in 210 years, the 70 became 600,000. Kain Yirba Vechain Yifrotz seems to be an awesome bracha. And that proves the Rabbeinu Bechayah's point And in essence, the Ramban's point. That's what they were thinking. If somebody comes up to you and says, what were you thinking? You really thought that Hashem would make you so great and that shows you that God loves you? The answer is, kind of. That's kind of what happened to Mitzrayim. Hashem said to us, he loves us and he made us multiply like that. It's not like a terrible thing to think. That's how the Agionis Agioshini puts it. And it seems pretty obvious to me. The Shach says something so similar. It's clear that numbers matter. In Ninveh, it's at the end of Yonah in Parak Dalit. It says, Vani lo achos al Ninveh. I will not have pity on Ninveh, says Hashem. Asher yesh po harbe ribo. I'm sorry, the opposite. He should have said, Will I not have mercy on Ninveh that has harbe mishne misaribo? They have more than 1.2 million people. Right? Clearly, numbers matter. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying, how could I not have mercy on so many people? Clearly, if you have that many people, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about all those people. That seems to be a clear sign to me that numbers matter, and that's how the shock puts it right over there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to save them because of that. But that's the idea, and that's what he was telling B'nai Yisrael. Your numbers, your numbers, however, don't matter to me. What's important to me is one of three things is how the shock puts it. Number one, you make yourselves humble even when you're given greatness, which we'll talk about in a second from Rashi. Number two, Hashem loves you, whatever that means. We talked about the Kliyakr. And number three, because to fulfill his promise to Av- the Avos and to Avram Avinu. Now, the Nitziv has a final shot before we get into Rashi's Dolph shot. He says that the Reboy here is similar to the Kliyakr and the Ksav Sofer, but not exactly. The Reboy, the Rubcha Mikolamim, is that you have a lot of Das. You have a lot of knowledge. You think wiser. You're wiser than all the nations of the world, even though your numbers are less. And for example, and I know this isn't a great example, but the amount of Nobel Prize winners is really an unbelievable thing. The Jewish nation make comp- is composed, I, I, comprised of, I think, 0.05% of the world population. So I'm sorry? 0.02%. So... If we go with 12 million versus the 7.5 billion people of the world, right? So we make up a very, very small section of what the world is, is made up of, right? 20% of the laureates for the Nobel Prize are Jewish. In all, if you take all the different sections of the, of the Nobel Prize. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. That, those numbers, 
don't compare to any. There's no nation that compares. There's no country that compares to that. And there's no nation that compares to that. Right, with the amount of numbers that we have, and 0.02, as you said, right, 0.02%, and having 20% of the Nobel Prizes, that doesn't make any sense at all. So it may be due to our ability to adapt and to think all the way through our problems. We have a Gemara Cup, and that Gemara Cup is there to think our way through, a, to get a solution, to be able to try to figure out what's going on, and to be okay when you don't find a solution, to work as hard as you can when it comes to certain subjects. You'd think that such a nation filled with Das would not have to be told to stay away from Avodah Zarah. If you know things, and you're a smart person, why would you worship that little getchka on the street, that idol, obviously is something that's stupid. You'd think you wouldn't be fooled by it. But nature, naturally, our nation is pulled by mediums that help us connect to something that's spiritual above, says the Nitziv. We obviously are. We see the sun, moon, and stars, and we think, if only there was a way for us to connect there. There's also a high level of Jews. I, I heard this from somebody. I don't know if this is true. You'd have, somebody would have to look this up. I heard that there are seven places that practice that are able to teach a certain type of acupuncture which apparently is a seven-year program, not just quick acupuncture program, a real in-depth acupuncture program. One of them, this is what I heard, this is what the guy told me, one of them is in India, five are in China, right? And one is in Eretz Yisrael. We're so connected to that. The, the amount of stories that we hear of people going to see the Dalai Lama, <laughs> speaking to the Dalai Lama, trying to find their way, and the Dalai Lama's like, dude, you're Jewish, just go, <laughs> like, to figure it all out. These stories only happen by us, because <laughs> we just don't get it. We're, we're connected to something, and we just don't know what we're connected to. He says, if not for the light of Torah, we probably would continue to do so. We'd have that das, and we'd use it towards something else, and we'd try to figure out something that really isn't supposed to be, and that's that. We just have that innate connection, that inner connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the pintaliyid, as the Hasidim call it, that try to get close, a chelik lo kamimal. We're loved not because of our immense amount of das, but rather because of our drive to connect above. That's what it is. And that's the idea of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us. It's hard to read that in the Pasuk. Again, this is from the Nitziv. It's hard to read that directly in the Pasuk. But lo mirub chamikolamim is still, not from your riboy das. Because you guys are so dumb when compared to other nations and how you act when it comes to stuff like that. Not dumb as in you're actually dumb. But rather you act like a dumb person. And yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you because you still drive, you have that drive to do something spiritual, even if you end up going about it in the wrong way. That's the idea behind it. So that's in its hidden. Now we get to Rashi. Finally, we get to the Rashi that's there. Rashi has a shot here that this Pasuk, number one, it should be taken literally that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves because we're so numerous, as we've been talking about up until now. And then there's a second shot. There's a measure that says, because you didn't think of yourselves as any greater than when I brought you great influence, when you guys became great, you didn't think of yourselves as great. You allowed things to happen in the right way. Therefore, I want you as my nation. I know that no matter how much I give you, you won't change your minds. Not only that, says Rashi, but you knowingly act and make yourself lower with humility. We see it from Avraminu. Avraminu said, Amanochi Afer Ve'efer. Right? Anochi Afer Ve'efer. Moshe and said, Benachnu Ma. What are we? What are we worth? Right? He said, Not like Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, I want to be Alal Bamasi of 
I'll climb up on the highest of the clouds. Right? Sancheriv, when he became great, he said, there's no God that could defeat me. He said that to Rav Shakei. Rav Shakei told that to Chizkyo. That's in Yeshaya. Right? Hiram said he's a God seated, seating, uh, sit, seat, uh, sitting, or seated upon the throne of gods. Right? Throne of gods said he was supposed to be all the way up in the sky. Nimrod did this. Paro did this. By the other nations, when the leaders get this greatness, they think of themselves in greater than they actually are. Yet our leaders, they keep themselves down. They're able to think, they're able to let themselves you know, make themselves smaller because of it. The Gemara tells in Indarim, Lamed Chesim and Aleph, that a Kodesh Baruch who's only Mashrish Shechina, so when he puts his Shechina upon someone who's humble. That shows us what a Kodesh Baruch wants from us. And even though Bilam is an exception to that rule, it could be he didn't really have the full Shechina by Yikor, right? He was Shesume Nayim. Whatever that means, Bilam might be an exception to that. But either way, regardless, this concept of we act with humility while they don't. That's what Rashi says. That when Bnei Yisrael are given greatness, they act with more humility, they act humble, and that's their greatness. The Yelis Shachar says, although Rashi only brings down individuals, right, which tells you virtually nothing about Klau Yisrael, if Klau Yisrael become rich, maybe we wouldn't be so humble, right? Nonetheless, individuals represent nations. When they lead the nations, they represent the nations. So there's only two exceptions to that rule. Sivkiya is one of them, but either way, regardless, you can assume that everyone else followed them. Vayatzav Avram, by the way, says something amazing. He says, even the humility of David Amelech and Avram Avinu cannot be compared to Moshe Rabbeinu. He says it can't be compared. He says, why? David Amelech compared himself to something. He called himself a worm. Anochi tolas veloish. Avram Avinu compared himself to dust and dirt. That's something. It's something. Moshe Rabbeinu compared himself to nothing. The nachnu ma. What are we? I'm not even like anything. I've got nothing at all, said Moshe Rabbeinu. He, I'm sorry? Shol HaMelech was the most humble of all men in the beginning, right? But then unfortunately lost it toward the end. So don't bring it because that actually is sort of like a kateger, an accuser for him because of what happened to him at the end. So you never bring that down. Right, and that's why we don't bring it down. We don't bring it down. But obviously we have the humility of Shol HaMelech as well. That's right over there. And therefore, it's so funny. Va'ish Moshe, Anav Mikol Adam. The man Moshe was more humble than all men he says like this, he says, Adam stands for Avraham, Aleph, David, and Moshe. Moshe was un of Mikol Adam, from all other humble people, the greatest of the humble people, right? He was like that. Now the Chassam Sofer says, why is this here? Again, the same basic question, this Sefer is a Sefer of Musr Devarim. What is Moshe Rabbeinu trying to tell them? You guys are awesome, you're so humble. What is he trying to tell them? And he says such an unbelievable pshat. The Chassam Sofer says, what are they gaining from this? Says, humility was misused. Sometimes you can misuse humility. You know why? You should have had gaiva in your avodas Hashem. You shouldn't have minimized yourself and say, oh, I can't do that. I won't be able to do that. I'm not great enough to do that. Sometimes you do need that little bit of gaiva. Instead of forging their own paths, it just followed what other people did. Why wouldn't you forge your own paths? Is the, it, it's an oxymoron. And, and still, like almost the hypocrisy that happens by any person that becomes a gadol. They become gedolim because they had the gaiva to forge their own path. It, it, no one can be like Rav Chaim Knievsky. There's going to be tons of copycats. But there has never been, and I, I don't think there will ever be, a Rav Chaim Knievsky ever. And there never was. He was such a unique person. In everything he did, we've never heard of a person like this. He was so unique. 
But you can look at that by almost every gadol. There was nobody like the Chafetz Chaim. Think of the Chafetz Chaim and what he did, what he accomplished, and where he was. He wasn't a rub, he wasn't a rebbe, he wasn't a Rosh Hashiva. Look what he did. He's crazy, and he wasn't just a mustard guy who's yelling at people to stop speaking Lashon Hara. He wrote a Mishnah Brura. That was his magnum opus, even though he's called the Chafetz Chaim. We should call him the Mishnah Brura. But he's called the Chafetz Chaim. It's nuts. It's nuts. You can think of the Chazanish in the same way. He's so unique. Unbelievably unique. And you can go through, think of the uniqueness of the Rambam, the uniqueness of Rashi, the uniqueness of the Gra, the uniqueness of the Baal Shem Tov, the uniqueness of the Kedushas Levi. You can go through the list. There's a little bit of Gaiva that every single one of them needed to become the people that they were. They wouldn't be that way. And on the other hand, they're also unbelievably humble. Because they understand the kokos that Akash Baruch Hu gave them and used it properly. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was yelling at them about. You were too humble. You minimized yourself. You didn't think you could become Chashuv. And therefore, you didn't become as great as you could have possibly became. You didn't become that way. It's so funny. At the end of his life, Moshe Rabbeinu told Yoshua, you can ask me any question you want. And this is the Gemara in Tamura, right? Uh, yeah, Tamura in Daftasayin, I think. So he asked him, he said, you can ask me any question you want. And Mo- Yoshua said to him, he's like, Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, by each, uh, um, I'm sorry, that uh, that Yoshua never moved from by your tent. Everything you learned, I was right there for it. How could there be something that I don't know? He said it in a Gaivadika fashion. And Moshe Rabbeinu was so upset, he had Chalisha Sadas, and they lost 1,700 Kalachomers and all these, 600 of this and 700. The Gemara goes through like what they lost and how they were able to get it back, that Asmiel ben Kanaz maybe was able to bring it back from his pilpul. Right? That's misusing Gaiva. If somebody asks you a question and you have the opportunity to ask something or to go into something, then you've got to use it and not have that gaiva of, but I've already done X, Y, and Z. The proper use, I think, of how using gaiva in the right way is to make that path that works. And I think that's the pshat of what the Chassam Sofer is saying over here. To be, by the way, the Chassam Sofer, one of the most unique individuals we have in Klal Yisrael of anything. We know, we've told stories about the Chassam Sofer before, but that's using your gaiva while still having anivus and being able to make something happen. Now, all of this is based on a Gemara in Chulin Dafpei Testament Aleph. The Torah Tamima talks about the basis behind this drush and where it comes from, etc. In that Gemara, it even says, oh, this is such an unbelievable thing. It's all a drush of Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Yossi Aglili. And the Gemara says, when Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Yossi Aglili, says a drusha, Turn your ear to everything he says. That's how special Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi, son of Rabbi Yosei Aglili is. You know how many drushes we have from Rabbi Eliezer, son of Rabbi Yosei Aglili and Agada? I think maybe one. I don't know if there's two. I, I, I don't know. If there is a second one, I don't know where it is. But that's what it says over there in that Gemara and Peites. What was so special about this drusha that the Meshiloch asked, the Ishbitzer asked, that he's like, everybody got, you have to turn to this, listen to what this guy's saying. So obviously, Avramino understood he was the greatest of the Avos. He understood who he was. Moshe Rabbeinu understood he was the greatest in the Nevi'im. The difference between them and any Balgaiva is that others think that it's their own power that allows them to become the person that they became. I'm super good at math, and therefore I'm a great accountant. I'm super good at memorizing things, and therefore I'm a really good doctor who's able to prescribe or whatever it is. I'm able to figure out what things are. That's what people think. A Baal Gaiva says to himself, this is who I am and therefore I became that. 
a person who is not a Balgai, but a person who's out there, who's trying to become the, the, the Chacham, not the Enehem, but the Chacham in the eyes of others, what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to be there, is somebody who recognizes La Shema Oratumaloa. Yeah, everything belongs to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And at any moment, I could lose that gift that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has given me. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu has allowed me to get somewhere because a Kaddish Baruch Hu has put me in this position to become the person that I became. And therefore, I have no one to thank but a Kaddish Baruch Hu alone. Not myself but a Kaddish Baruch Hu alone. That's what makes us so special. Recognizing our talents is not necessarily gaiva or egotism. That can't, it's not, it's not. But recognizing your talent as your own gift, something that I did, that I worked on, that's gaiva. That's where the ego comes into play. It's recognizing talent and saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given it to me. And I don't mean this as lip service. Say like, oh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed me to do it. I don't mean like a sports player who gets a touchdown and is like, it was all you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is not what the wide receiver is thinking. He is not. The wide receiver is showing up, he's doing something, and at least, you know what? At least he's pointing to God. It's one thing that I liked about Devin Hester when he used to play for the Chicago Bears. Every single time, pointed up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When he dropped the pass, he didn't point up at HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? He pointed up at HaKadosh Baruch Hu afterward, right? Okay, maybe he had a different thought in mind, and that's that, right? But at least there was something there, a recognition that it's there. That's why you should open up your ears to his drush. Rebbe the son of Rebbe He's telling everyone, it's mamish, like couched in a cryptic statement, how to treat your own life and how to treat the successes that you've had, which is a beautiful shot, a really, really beautiful shot. Okay, there is a balaturm over here, but I really want to end with this Rebbe Victor Miller, a beautiful Rebbe Victor Miller. He said the word cheshek is used to connote a powerful attachment Something that's very powerful. It's used to describe those parts of the Mishkan that attach different parts to the other. You can see this in Truma, Chav, Zayin, Yud, right? The Cheshek, the Cheshek, Shin Kuf, that were made of silver, etc. If someone loved us, someone loves us, just a regular person, right? My mom, my dad, my, my kids, then I would be strongly attached to that person because the love between us is connected to one another. If that person was very powerful, if that person was chashuv, right, and well-known throughout the land and becoming this person or whatever it is, right, you would remind yourself of that love and friendship all the time. You'd want to go back to it. You'd want to say like, hey, that guy, he's my friend. I know that guy. I heard a guy, you know, doing that talk earlier this morning. I was at, after Shakras, I heard a guy telling over, like, not to brag or anything, but I was just hanging out with uh, Michael Jordan last night. You know, not Michael Jordan, but somebody very, very chashiv. That's what happens. You remind yourself of that friendship. You tell others about that friendship. How much more so should that apply to the master of the universe, says Rav Victor Miller, who loves us more than any other nation, and he tells us that he loves us. The Chobos of Babos tells us this in the Chesh Ben Anefesh. How in the world can we not go around bragging that God loves us? How can we not say that? I, I know that this entire shear will be a real problem when I run for the president of the United States. It's going to be a real problem. I've been pretty much bashing every other nation in the world and praising Klal Yisrael. How could I not? How can I not? HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us in this parsha, in this basic, it's not because you're so big that Hashem loves you. But I love you. I love you more than anybody else. You are loved more than any other nation. There's no question there's still a desire for numbers in some ways. The Rabbeinu Bahaya and everybody had said before. But nonetheless, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us because of, Rav Victor Miller says, because of our actions. The Kliyaka earlier said because of the Avos' actions. But whatever it is, we may not be as numerous as others, but we have something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us for. And we should say that over and over and over and over again. Ava Rabba Ahavtanu. 
Avarabba, or Avasolam is also okay, if you're Sfard, right? Avarabba Avzanu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us with an unbelievable love, a love that's never going to end. That's what we have to think about. And the more we think about that, the more I say, okay, I guess, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves me, then I should probably love him back. I should probably show it. I should scream it out loud. I should tell it to other people. I should make sure that people know HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves me. That's the idea behind it. All right, guys, we'll stop with that. Have a great job.